I've been a user of the deep web for quite a long time, going through various deep sites and seeing what's out there. There are some interesting pages and people that exist, but if you don't know what you're doing, I really don't recommend getting involved in it. I've been in too deep for a while, and the story I'm about to tell you was at a time in my life where I was out of control and doing stupid things. Back in the day, I used to be one of those deep-slash-dark-web users that may or may not have been involved in some questionable activity. Of this questionable activity, the worst was doing business with a website that was very similar to Silk Road. It wasn't Silk Road, but it was obviously trying to be. And as dumb as it sounds, the prices were more competitive than the others. Thinking back to it now, that should have been a red flag. The bigger sites had methods of vetting and verifications of their sellers. They knew who they were working with, and the security was definitely part of their pricing structure. But when you're a broke college kid that is addicted to certain medications, you don't really think too hard on the security of your dealer. Basically, your only thoughts are, do they have what I want, and can I afford it? So, obviously, I knew what I was doing back when I got involved with these sites and these people. I knew it was illegal, and I knew that I had no way of disputing if my dealer didn't come through and I would have no manner of taking legal actions against the site or seller. The site had an interesting system in place. The sellers wouldn't list specifically what they had beyond a few cryptic user tags, and then they had what they called a traffic light system. Basically, the seller could mark their stock based on color. Green was full, yellow limited, red was offline and not selling, If it was green, you could basically send them the money and get whatever you wanted. Yellow typically required a message to make sure they had what you wanted, and red meant, don't bother me. It was actually pretty damn smart. It cut out having to incriminate yourself by specifically listing what you had, and also cut down on the communication requirements. You just bought what you wanted and moved on. In my time on this site, there was one user that I worked with regularly over the two years. They were dependable, and strangely enough, incredibly polite when I had messaged them. I know that may sound stupid, but they typically signed their messages with have a nice day and thank you for your business. Not really something you would expect from a person committed to doing something that was very obviously a felony, They were the only person I wanted to work with on this site, and they always came through for me. In my time doing business with them, they had always been green or yellow. I couldn't recall once over the two years where they had switched over to red. Well, that is until the last time I put an order in with them. I got on this site as normal and saw that he had marked himself as yellow. No big deal. I sent him a message basically asking if my usual was available. Almost immediately after this, his page had switched over to red. 
I was a bit annoyed at this, as he'd always come through, and I was, as I said, an addict. I went over to his page and sent him another message that basically said, Hey man, what gives? Within a few moments, I got a message back that said, to put it kindly, F off. This came as an honest surprise to me. Like I said, he had always been so cordial before. I responded with something like, Do you not want my money anymore? I waited for about an hour to see if he sent a message back, but I didn't get a response. It was a few days later that I went back to see if maybe he had stock again. I think part of me seriously thought that the seller was just having a bad day or maybe it was a partner of his that wasn't quite so polite. When I logged in, I saw that I had a message from him. I clicked it and it said, I have your usual, send me the money. I was a bit wary at first. This was very direct and, again, not signed in his normal way. But I was also young and naive and I needed the medication to keep my mind focused and study for exams. Despite my initial hesitation, I went ahead and sent him the money. I replied, told him that it was sent, and I waited. I think I messaged him once or twice after that within the week, but he had been offline since our last interaction, and hadn't changed his account from Red. At first, I thought maybe he had just ripped me off, but... About a week after that last interaction, I did get a package. The box looked like it was heavily used and trashy. This was in complete contrast from what I was used to. When I opened it, it was lacking pretty much all of the security the seller normally had. He would typically pack inconspicuous items in with the order, usually stuffed animals and toys. I'm assuming this was because they worked as both security in hiding the product and as padding. Instead, the box was full of packing peanuts and tissue paper. I dumped it out on the floor and checked it, thinking I was duped. But then I saw the pill bottle and an envelope with what appeared to be a letter. The first thing I did to satiate my curiosity was open the letter. It said, Consider this your last order. Jimmy is out of the trade. Thank you for your business. I was a little pissed off, since I was going to have to now find a new person on the site to work with, but at the same time, it wasn't a huge deal. I had about 60 days before that was going to be a problem. That was my thought until I grabbed the bottle and opened it. I removed the lid and saw that, instead of pills, inside the bottle were fingernails. I don't mean like fingernail clippings, I mean full fingernails that had been ripped out of the bedding of the finger, ten of them to be exact. The edges of them looked like they had dried blood, which told me that they had most likely been forcibly removed. It was then that the letter's meaning became a little bit more dark, with Jimmy being out of the trade. To answer any potential questions, I never went back to the site. I never went back to any drug site on the deep web at all. This scared me to the point that I pretty much abandoned all illegal activity. And to those that are curious, no, I did not go to the police. I wanted to. I wanted to tell them that it was possible that someone had been murdered, but how exactly does one explain that with what I had? 
I couldn't waltz into the precinct, slam a pill bottle full of fingernails down, and say, my drug dealer has been murdered. Technically, he could have pulled them out himself. Not likely, but possible. So anyways, that's my story. Stay off the dark web. Deep web, probably okay, but honestly, just don't go near it. And don't do drugs, kids. My dark web story is one that actually happened recently. Within the last four or five months, actually. And it's one of the most disturbing and sickening things that I have ever seen or experienced in my 32 years of being on this earth. There are some really sick people out there. And I want to say to those of you listening, stay off the dark web. Enjoy the stories told by those of us who are stupid enough to get involved in it, but don't get curious enough to drag yourself into the mud. Like most people, living in this quarantine has left me with an excessive amount of spare time on my hands. I am still employed, thankfully, but I get to work from the comfort of my living room. I'm not going to name my employer or my job title for obvious security reasons, but I will say that I'm pretty much the guy on the network team that gets to sit at home and watch data traffic spikes for the company's applications and websites. To be honest, I probably have one of the easiest jobs out there. I get to watch a graphing system as it shows how much data our servers are pushing and receiving, And unless we get hit with the denial-of-service attack, there's not really much to be done. If anything does happen, I get to get on the phone and talk with the other networking guys about what actions we want to take. Then, I have a weekly report call with my boss to tell her that everything is working as intended. We aren't a huge company, and we upgraded our servers at the end of last year, which was perfect timing so there's honestly not a whole lot to do on the day-to-day. My job is more reactive versus proactive. Based on what I just said, you can probably assume that I know my way around a computer. I've been in IT my whole career, and I like to believe that I can hold my own out there. I know how networks run, I understand data routing, and I know a lot about data encryption and security. During the start of quarantine, I started studying more about data security and such, and I ended up being interested in Tor, onion routing, and how the deep web and dark web differ from the surface web. If you really want something intriguing to read, take the time to look into the Marianas web. It's an interesting rabbit hole, even though it may not even exist. Now, as most technically adapted people do... I got both bored and curious about what existed out there in the deeper parts of the internet. I didn't want to do anything illegal, but part of me wanted to be familiar with what content and activities existed below the surface. I know, this sounds stupid, but boredom and extra time can be a terrifying motivator when you kind of know what you're doing. I went through the process of setting up my personal system to get on the deep web. I installed Tails, set up Tor, 
I got a decent VPN after doing some vetting and did all my security checks. I started going through some of the onion links that were easily accessible. For the most part, they were innocent sites that really didn't have anything crazy on them. I was simply perusing the pages, not getting heavily involved. I found a lot of what you would expect to find. Adult content, a few illegal shop sites, various conspiracy boards and other forums. Just some basic deep web content that didn't really stand out, and probably wouldn't be too far out of place on the surface web. But then... Then I ended up on a page that I never would have expected to see on the deep web. A dating site. I say dating site, but based on the explanation of their services and some of the profiles, I think it was meant to be more like Tinder, one-night-stand interactions with little to no commitment. What I found was that the dating page was set up in what I can only call categories. Basically, it was split out into what you were looking for in a partner. It had categories for race, ethnicity, background, sexual preferences, personal kinks, and even a section that was basically for sugar daddies. If you don't know what that is, I'm not going to explain it to you. While browsing, one of the categories under the personal kinks section made me curious, as it was something I really wasn't sure about. It was simply labeled Chasers. I clicked on it and decided I would spend a few minutes looking through the profiles. I was bored and curious. What I ended up finding was nothing short of legitimately terrifying. The profile I clicked on was of a middle-aged guy. He was fairly attractive and looked like someone that would do well on any of the normal dating apps. I was reading through who he was, trying to figure out what the hell made him a chaser, when I got to the bottom of his profile. It read the following. I'm looking for anyone that can help me achieve my lifelong dream of being physical with an HIV-infected individual. This entire section further outlined how it was his goal to catch the disease and that he was willing to pay almost any amount to do this. I went to another profile, and it was a young man that explained that he had been infected with COVID, and that he would be willing to give it to anyone that wanted it for the price of a nice dinner. He made sure to outline that he was just tested positive, and that time was of the essence if you were interested. The third profile I went to was looking for someone to hurt or severely injure them while being intimate and I'm not even going to explain the specifics of what he wanted or was asking for, but that person definitely needed to seek help. This entire category was of people looking to catch diseases or give diseases to each other, and a few that were looking to be injured. A lot of them were willing to pay for these services, saying that it was a deeply embedded fantasy of theirs. I think the most disgusting one, beside the ones that I've mentioned, was a man that was requesting to be with a woman who had terminal cancer. There's nothing inherently wrong with being with someone or loving someone that has cancer. I have no issue with that. But he was treating it like a fetish. He listed on his profile that the sicker the better. Again, 
He also listed that he was willing to pay significant amounts of money or even take care of all medical costs for this person. This site cemented in my mind that there were some very, very disturbed people out there. I closed it and I shut down my laptop. I won't say it was the last time that I ever got on the deep web, but it definitely made me more careful about where I went, and much less curious about what was out there. This story isn't mine personally. I'm not the type of person to go out onto the deep web for any reason. This story actually happened to a coworker and a good friend of mine. I made sure he was okay with me submitting the story, and he said it was fine, it was in the past. For the sake of privacy and security, we're going to refer to him as Ron. Ron is a good guy. Probably one of the nicest people I have ever met, and he really didn't deserve the situation that happened to him. I will say that I've known him for a few years now, and I completely believe everything he has told me about this. Several years ago, Ron lived in a comfortable suburban home with his lovely wife of 10 years, and for the sake of security, we're going to call her Karen. Ron and Karen had a 7-year-old daughter at the time of this story, and everything seemed alright. Ron had a good job and made more money than they actually needed. Karen was a stay-at-home mom who took care of their daughter when she was home, and did the various housework and errands while she was at school, pretty much doing the basics of what a stay-at-home parent does. Ron was under the impression that their marriage was in a good position. He loved Karen as much as he always had, he loved his daughter more than life itself, they had a nice house and a nice neighborhood, and they had enough money to take care of any financial emergencies if they needed to do so. To the best of Ron's knowledge, they were all happy and healthy. He didn't think anything was wrong at home. Karen, on the other hand, was apparently very unhappy with their marriage, and was determined to leave Ron to run off with some guy that she had met online and been talking to around a year. Karen and her internet boyfriend had apparently spent a lot of time plotting and spoke extensively about how they could follow through on what they had planned, and they also spoke extensively on how to get the deed done. She had stated that she couldn't divorce him because he would still take custody of the daughter and take half of everything, and she couldn't just run away and disappear as, again, he would get custody of their daughter. At one point in their discussion, they even mentioned the possibility of the internet boyfriend driving from his home in Nebraska and taking care of him himself, saying that he could make it look like a robbery gone wrong. Apparently, this would have been too personal for Karen, and they opted to look on the dark web for someone to remove her husband from the equation. Then, she would wait long enough to bury him, collect the insurance, and pretend to grieve. After a few months, she said she would then take her daughter and the money from his life insurance and run off with the boyfriend to start their new life up north. Based on the conversations, she was adamant that it needed to look like an accident. That way the life insurance would pay out the maximum. Like I said, 
Ron made good money and was worth a decent amount dead, so she planned to live a few years off that with the new guy. Back to their actual plan, as I said, they had the intent of going on the dark web and finding basically a hitman to get rid of her husband. Apparently, they were successful to an extent. They got on the deep web, they found a site that listed people providing these services, and they got the information of someone that they were going to pay to do the entire thing. They even went as far as agreeing to and sending the $15,000 to the account of the person that was supposed to do the job. Thankfully, for Ron, his wife and her new boyfriend were not well-versed in how things worked on the dark web, and to some extent, were kind of stupid. Apparently, they went all the way through the plotting with this person and sent him the money, and they even set a date. On the day in question, Karen had taken their daughter to her grandparents' house and had told Ron that she was going to spend the day with them. While she was gone, Ron got a visit by the local police and a federal agent. They explained the situation to him and basically took him into protective custody. When Karen got home, she expected to find her husband lying dead on the living room floor, but instead had federal agents screaming at her and taking her to the ground. What's worse, she apparently had brought their daughter home with her, meaning she would have been okay with the little girl seeing her dead father lying on the ground. Based on what Ron was told, the police had all of the information from the conversation, connection logs from when she was on the page, emails from her to the fake hitman, and enough evidence to put her away for a long time. Apparently, she was so desperate to get rid of him that she was able to be talked into sending the money over PayPal. She literally sent $15,000 on a credit card over PayPal to have her husband murdered. I don't know if she was just ignorant to how PayPal worked, or if she just wanted it done so badly that she wasn't willing to question the situation. Thankfully, for Ron's sake, she had gotten a hold of a sting operation set up on the site, and she was taken down without issue. The boyfriend was also arrested, and they were charged for conspiracy to commit murder, and probably a few other charges, but they were both sentenced to around 20 years in prison for their plans. Ron has since remarried, and his daughter is old enough to understand what her mother did, but he says that he got lucky with all this, and I agree. If his wife had gone to another page, been a little more competent, and paid a little more attention to being secure in her messaging and communications, Ron may have been legitimately murdered that day, and she would be off living with her internet boyfriend somewhere in the Dakotas. Hey there, friends. I hope you all enjoyed this collection of dark-slash-deep-web stories. If you have a dark web or deep web uh, experience that you would like to send my way, please do check the links in the description. These stories are very hard to come across, and I love reading them for you. So, if you would, send me your experience if you have it. If not, and you have another creepy story like a ghost encounter or a, a glitch in the Matrix, please send that my way as well. I accept all stories. As long as they're interesting, and, you know, at least a little longer than, like, one paragraph. Make them... Give me some detail. <laughs> 
Anyways, if you did enjoy that and would like more content like this, please do consider subscribing to the channel. Just hit the subscribe button, bell icon next to it. That makes you part of the Nevermore. You can also support it by following me on social media or over coffee or Patreon. All patrons get early access to my videos and a couple other things, depending on what tier you choose. All that said, friends, I hope you have a beautiful day, and I hope to see you on the next video. But until then, sleep well.